Hello there, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. You are listening to another episode of the Imperial Senate Podcast's literature review show, The Senate Library. I am your host, Claire Stribling, and joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Nikki Kumar. How are you doing, man? I am feeling so blue right now. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well. but, but in a good way. <laughs> da good kind of da Exactly. <laughs> the kind of blue that inspires songs and ballads. <laughs> from Euro pop groups. And also joining us <laughs> yet again today, friend of the podcast, Imperial Senate Patreon co-host and the creator slash host of CEO Bibbles Babble Bubble, it's Reed Devaney. How you doing? I'm doing great. You know, I was hoping to find another song about blue that I could recite out to you. And then I thought, well, what if I try to just like sing Rhapsody in Blue by George Gershwin to you, but there's no lyrics. <laughs> So just picture that standing behind me is like a high school marching band covering that song because that's such a common one for marching bands. But the kids are running into each other because they're only in high school. So the coordination's a little bit off. But I do have a blue joke I'd like to share with you. Or actually, it's just, it's a seasonal joke because at the time of this recording, we're a week away from Halloween. So it's kind of a spooky joke. Mm-hmm. Ooh, lay it on us. Okay. So what did the Chiss vampire say? To the maiden in distress. Oh, I've thrown to suck your blood. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Thought of that one this morning. I've been holding on to it for a long, <laughs> a long two hours, you know. Oh man. I bet that's been agony. Oh, it's been <laughs> Almost let it drop before we started recording, but no, no. Gotta keep, gotta keep it in there. Gotta save it for the pod. <laughs> save, it, save it for the pod. Also, I think I'd like to thank you. You always introduce me as creator of CO Bibble's Babble Bubble, which I think is hilarious because that's just me. And I imagine a scenario <laughs> where somebody else would be the host of that show and I'm no longer it, just my one little show. Like I sold it <laughs> off to the ringer or something. You, you've been ousted. I've just been ousted. You know? <laughs> I've been living my entire life as a gay man. No, I'm not Kevin Spacey. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> well, oh. part yeah, two. part two. Today we'll be discussing <laughs> page one eighty-seven through the end of the novel *Thrawn: Ascendancy: Chaos Rising*, book one. And uh, so that, of course, means spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Everything's going to get spoiled. If you don't want it to get spoiled, then what are you doing here? Get out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they just want to hang out. <laughs> <laughs> we got plenty of other episodes that you can hang out with <laughs> in the meantime. Oh, uh, <laughs> but anyway, so quick, well, as quick as I can, little summary of where we're at in the novel and the ending of our tale. Uh, we last left Thrawn and Thalius heading to Primea to get more information on the status of the planet, whether it already been claimed by the Nicardoon or not. Thrawn was posing as an art scholar with Thalius in tow as his family hostage wearing some creepy ass makeup Mm. and they attend a little party that also happens to be attended by Quillory and Yiv the Benevolent himself. So they both get the opportunity to meet each other and size each other up and Yiv sets a trap to capture Thrawn before they leave the planet. Of course, this proves unsuccessful because it's Thrawn. Um, but in their escape, Thrawn realizes that he needs to travel to the edges of the chaos and find allies. And this overlaps 
And this is the part of the story that overlaps with the prequel era story from Thrawn Alliances. Ooh. Um, and Thrawn and Cheery meet Anakin Skywalker. And if you read the book, we all know how that goes. <laughs> During that time, Thalius undergoes trials to become a trial-born daughter of the myth, where she learns that Thrawn's secret to benefactor was the patriarch of the entire myth family, and he gives her the task to protect Thrawn at all costs. When Thrawn and uh, Cheery return, Thrawn feels he has the necessary tools to trap Yiv and conquer the Nicardoon. Even though the Ascendancy wants nothing to do with this conflict, he gets himself in some big doo-doo with the Aristocra when Yiv ends up capturing Cheery and Thalius. And they get uh, they send a few trip, a few ships to attempt a rescue mission, sort of. And shocker, 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 Thrawn outsmarts Yiv yet again. And uh, the just win the day. Oh, and yeah. then our then our story ends with spineless little bitch Quillory receiving a message from a mysterious source telling him that Yiv the Benevolent was only small potatoes and that Kalori should become loyal to this new guy if he wants to see the Chiss defeated and his <laughs> very dramatically <laughs> reveals his big bad name to be Jixtus. <laughs> Jixtus. <laughs> Jixtus Hive Rise. <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, that moment, like... <laughs> so we're we're gonna get into initial thoughts and impressions, which I very much enjoyed this book. But I will say the ending was just like, "Can I have your name, sir?" It's Jixtus. <laughs> I was like, "Okay, great. Yeah. Why do I care?" <laughs> it was it was a little it was a little goofy at the end there, but <laughs> but I feel like I feel like that just means you know we're gonna work extra hard to hype Jixtus up. <laughs> <laughs> Pre-recording, I called him the Sharpe Evans of the chaos. <laughs> he's here. He, you know, he's here. He's, he's, he lives for drama. He's gonna mix, gonna stir the pot, get stuff going. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Woo! Well, you can Man. tell he lives for drama with even just like the line of how he introduced himself, Jixtus. You may call me Jixtus. Make good <laughs> note of that name, glory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is the name of who will finally and completely destroy the Chiss Ascendancy. I really hope this is a red herring, actually. And like, <laughs> I, hope it, I hope it's Snoke. <laughs> Maybe that's who Snoke gets cloned of. <laughs> the clone's sake, instead of namesake, I don't know. I, I, is namesake who you're named after or the person who's named after you? Your namesake. I could that's- be wrong, but I think it's who you're named after. I think so too. Okay, so Jixtus is Snoke's clone sake. Clone sake. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Palpatine's like Jixtus. That's a what kind of stupid name is that? <laughs> You're gonna be Snoke. Snoke. <laughs> Which is also such an intimidating name. <laughs> right? Yeah. Real upgrade there, Palpy. He was asking someone if they had a smoke, and he coughed and. <laughs> Accidentally said Snoke, and then it just became a thing. (laughs) Snoke him if you got him. (laughs) I'll I'll take a cherry Coke. (laughs) A Snoke? (laughs) Yeah, sure. Why not? (laughs) Oh, Oh, good times. Uh, but yeah, so I guess let's let's start off. What were your initial thoughts and impressions on this book as a whole? What did we think? Well, 
I would like to apologize to uh, some of my comments from last recording of part one when I was saying I'm so happy that this book doesn't tie into any other media and is existing on its own. <laughs> when like 50 pages in, just as Claire jokingly said would happen, the dude goes to bot two, but it's done very well. So that's why I want to take back my comments. I'm glad they tied it in like that. And it's, uh, you know, kind of funny to think that while Thrawn and Anakin are romping around, there's just a little girl sitting on a ship by herself. <laughs> entire time with nothing to do hopefully he brought her the coloring books that she likes i don't know i guess we'll get to that point later uh but no i love this book uh you know the second half as much if not more than the first and uh you know all the positive stuff i said with the exception of that still stands it's cool to see the world building and yeah the tease with whoever this jixtus guy may be and the uh a lot of funny Thrawn moments, too, where uh, some head scratchers that make you ask some questions about, you know, why did he think to do that or what were his motives? But I won't I won't dive into details just yet. But I liked it. Straight and simple, like a there we go. kaboom. <laughs> yeah, I was also uh, pretty pleased with this book. I, I was a, I'm a fan. Um, it was, yeah, like, uh, I guess I didn't know how it was going to end. I mean, I guess you can always be like, oh, Thrawn will win. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I didn't know where it was going to go. I wasn't sure if Yiv was going to be this like through line throughout the, the novels. And um, maybe he still will. You never know uh, what his purpose might be going forward. But yeah, I thought it was really cool. And I, I thought, I think the biggest thing for me is I thought that the I would get annoyed reading the memories. Um, but I actually didn't. I actually kind of enjoyed them, and I really liked the way it uh, went into um, the Thrawn and Aralani, like how they sort of grew up together kind of thing, and also just, it, you know, it went through the whole, well, Thrawn kind of messed up <laughs> thing, and how that how that informs a lot of some of the decision-making and the, like, the worries, at least of other characters in... Uh, in the plan now. So I really enjoyed the, um, the little bit of back and forth that went through there. Cause I wasn't sure if I wanted to do that again after alliances was also sort of jumping back and forth between timeframes. Um, but, but I thought it was good and it was really fun to, uh, to get that alliances tie in as well. Yeah, definitely. No. And, and I'm with you too. I'm, like one of the questions that I had throughout the entire novel was I was like, okay, why are y'all, why are all y'all panning such in a bunch over Thrawn? Like he's going to ruin everything. He's going to be the destruction. So he like screwed up one time and he does things a little bit differently and that you're so afraid of change that we're just going to like pee ourselves anytime he tries to do anything. Like, but mm-hmm. yeah, anyway. But yeah, no, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed jumping back and forth and enjoyed going back to Batu. Any chance for a little General Skywalker action. It's always exciting stuff for me. One major disappointment of the book for me was no Aralani sex scene. Mm. <sighs> Give the people what they want. Maybe they're saving that for book three. Um, I hope so. Lord, we can only hope so. There were definitely a few like Shall we? It was is uh, almost like Borat Giuliani, where he's like, <laughs> "Shall we go into another room for drinks?" <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and they're like, "Yes, shall we?" <laughs> but 
Much less creepy, I assume. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Definitely less creepy. But I know <laughs> Ron's like, I was tucking in my uniform. <laughs> <laughs> I was tucking in my uniform. Oh man. Oh goodness. And I had to lay down to do it. Oh yes. <laughs> it was it was the most uh, optimal way to tuck in my shirt. He <laughs> 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 just oh, walked into the bedroom and the organ starts playing. Like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? <laughs> oh goodness. But yeah, I just so yeah, I I, I enjoyed it. And and it was, you know, it was a good time. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed figuring out and, and this was the book that I've been asking for for years. And I very much enjoy the glimpses that I've seen and how they make, you know, how they, re- you know, relate to um, Thrawn. Oh, what's the third one? Treason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just the little nuggets we got of the Chiss in there. And now we're getting a little bit of explanation of why maybe they are the way they are. Um, they still kind of suck, but I want to know more about them. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, so what is so one thing that I wanted to talk about? I already touched on it a little bit. Is like, is they all they repeatedly call Thrawn a threat to the Ascendancy? Um, genuinely, why? Why are we? Why? Why do you think they're still allowing him to rise in? the ranks if they're so threatened by him. Hmm. Well, you know, it, it seems like that the protection of, of the myth patriarch, even though he, he's more or less retired from, you know, the politics of Chiss society seems to be strong enough in the protection of the military, or at least the illusion of the fact that the military is operating independent of, you know, all the hustle and bustle of the capital, at least on paper, it could be just enough to keep him protected. And it seems like the Chiss, like as individuals, nobody wants to overstep their bounds in terms of politicking. And so if you did have, you know, the handful of, you know, of his enemies out there, such as Thurfian and whatnot, try to go so far as to, well, let's imprison him or let's put him in, you know, a, a desk assignment this whole time. It could be seen as overstepping sort of cultural expectation and just precedent and everything like that. So the very society that they're so determined to keep without change and without reform or drastic differences is the one that's stopping them from doing what's necessary to put that threat that they see down. Perhaps. I don't know. It's a good question. Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Sorry, I can't do a good Thrawn. I love that. That's his like new word for this novel. <laughs> Perhaps. Drink every time he perhapses. Um. <laughs> But yeah, I thought I thought that was a really interesting, just like a, a little note on the sort of um, family dynamic of the, like how the families have different like sponsorship roles. I guess like was it the Arizzi who were like super hardcore military kind of thing? Yeah, and um, that yeah, that, that part of the book where they're like trying to like uh, 
you know, like hijack their recruit. <laughs> it was pretty, it was, it was like, it was really interesting, like politics. And I, I just thought it was interesting not to go on like too much of a tangent, but like, it was interesting that this was Theron's weakness. I don't, I don't know if it's like a good enough weakness to maybe, um, satisfy complaints that Theron is too, too smart. <laughs> but yeah. I think it is, I think it is a, uh, it's a it's an interesting choice anyway, and I think it's still compelling that he doesn't get like he just even though he's you know being even though he can basically like pull off these awesome plans that he comes up with, he still doesn't really get the game that's being played above him. Yeah, and like that's some like I guess without this book, like they've alluded to him being just like politically naive Mm -hmm. um before this novel but watching like but i get and and all it was always like okay so (laughs) Mm -hmm. was kind of like like, i don't like he didn't really need to be politically savvy as politically savvy in the empire as he does in the chits because everything is a manipulative little mind game in their society Mm -hmm. and that's just crazy to me that so much importance is placed on it, and that's why it's such a big weakness for him. Um, I don't remember but that, too well in in the first book. Uh, like, how did he deal with the imperial um, politicking? Was was he like I mean, oblivious to it as well? At least in the first yeah. one. Yeah, he was pretty oblivious to it. Mm-hmm. And and that was something that became very frustrating to Eli was the fact that. Here's Thrawn seemingly tripping his way up the command structure that, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, he's militarily speaking brilliant, but every other admiral and captain and commander had to do some sort of inner politicking at the same way to get where they are. And here is just Thrawn continuously just kind of rolling his way up there while not doing anything right, while Eli who is trying his best to be, you know, as straight Imperial as possible is kind of hanging out in in the lower ranks. And then of course you see him really starting to butt heads Thrawn when he runs into like Admiral Constantine and, Mm. you know, all the kind of folks that we then later see later chronologically see in the rebels TV show. It's a, it's like a Hamilton Burr, but that doesn't end in weirdness. (laughs) 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 It doesn't end unpleasantly necessarily for them. It's like Thrawn never has a <laughs> oh goodness. But yeah, I just it's it's very interesting to me just the chiss focus on politics and also just like how their different motivations like within the families have affected, <clears throat> you know, like if but it's so weird. Like the one thing like the Arizi are trying to be more militarily influential. Mm-hmm. That, that being said, they are not officially allowed to interfere in the military. And if they get their way and they recruit someone that's really great, they're going to drop drop the name and leave the family anyway. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it seems to be kind of a, a hard middle ground to try to find that if you're pushing your family into the military, you know that you're in the process pushing them out of your family. Yes. And so just hoping that you imprint enough influence on them when they're children and young adults that hopefully by the time they, you know, make the full jump into put the the fleet above all else, they'll 
do you a few favors, I suppose. I'm not, I'm not certain what it is they're expecting of them, but it's kind of a, I don't know, sort of like a devil's bargain in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at first I wasn't sure, like, I was like, uh, when the, the part of the book where, I guess, Arlani officially drops the, the family title, like, at first I wasn't sure how to read the vibe, because I was like, wait, is this, like, a good thing or no? Like, because it seems like, right. it, should be, seems like it should be a bad thing, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> but it, like, I feel like anytime you, like, lose your family name, but when they was like, she's like, I'd been preparing for this, and I was like, oh, okay, so this is, like, a thing, but, um. But yeah, no, it's 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 really interesting the the uh, that family dynamic, and it's funny because like before we joked about how all the chists look the same, so they don't <laughs> so they don't necessarily like have racism. So they so they introduced this like this weird like family caste system to keep people in check. It's it's pretty hardcore. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> Cat. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah. So, one thing that's, like, that was also pretty fascinating to me is we get to see the Chiss homeworld of Casilla? Casilla? Mm. Casilla? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, what did they roll um, with in the audiobook? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't remember. No. There we go. <laughs> good enough for me. <laughs> So we, we get to see this Chiss homeworld of, of Casilla, um, where the Arisi family homestead is located. Uh, is the Myth family homestead there too? Or I think so. It is, yes. Um and, and that being said, we learn a lot about the Chiss culture in one little trip to the homeworld that the sun's output has iced the planet over. A lot. And mm-hmm. they are pretending like everything is normal. Which, you know, Thrawn alludes to him like, like, yeah, it's good to have them think that there's more of a stronghold here than there really is. Um, it really does say a lot about the Chiss and appearances over truth. I feel mm-hmm. like there's a lot of instances in this book where they like to pretend to be more or less than they are. Um, a very secretive society. Like, not everybody gets to know about the Skywalkers. Not everybody gets to know about the home world. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, personally, I think that that is kind of an issue for the chaos at large. There's a lot of mistrust of the Chiss. And I, I'm going to be honest with you, if I was living out there, I don't think I would like them very much. Yeah, it's it's really weird, and I thought, like, I guess first of all, just from like a world building point, like thing, I thought that was a really cool, um, like, thing to do with like the home planet, and like it's just it's one of those like sort of not seen it before kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that was really fun, and it it's creepy, like when he <laughs> when he like figures it out, he's like, oh, why are these like vehicles, you know, like no nobody in them or something. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's like weird, like ghost town vibe to keep up the appearance that stuff's going on when it's not really, didn't they say like, 
like a couple hundred people are like on the surface at any given time. That's about it. Yeah, that's um, about it. It's it's very North Korean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good that's that a good was, metaphor. That's sort of the the main sort of the vibe I was getting with the mm-hmm. whole you know what like the North Korean government kind of has a rotation of people they send to the city that's closest to the uh, the DMZ just to make it look like it's thriving, but yeah. really it's just a total just puppetry place. Just so creepy. That'd be a great. That'd be a great <laughs> and, job to have. You'd have a whole town to yourself. And these <laughs> these space these blue space North Koreans are going around stealing <laughs> technology from the Chinese Republic, <laughs> <laughs> and then acting like it's their thing and being like, "We made this. We made this shield thing." <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Oh uh, man. <laughs> Wait, so in this in this scenario where the separatist Taiwan always <laughs> <laughs> always <laughs> it's like uh, <laughs> the republic just keeps calling them like <laughs> Raxis Taipei or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, we don't we don't officially consider them the separatists. <laughs> um, but yeah, weird stuff. It's uh, but it, it was really cool seeing. A, a sort of a planet like that and and yeah i think i think it's true where it's like um just it's like there's no there are no saints in the chaos right it's like everyone's got some dirty secret or something or it just sucks in general and uh it's it's one of those things that's gonna be really interesting to see play out of course over the next two books and and it, you know you can see or you can imagine why someone like our close personal friend Jixtus is <laughs> uh, is so like ready to take them down, because um, because you can see you, this isn't exactly a trustworthy society. Mm-hmm. No, and just like thinking back to the first half of the book, the way that as much as Kilori bothers me, um, he uh, he does make a very a couple of very valid points about the Chiss that he, that everybody hated working for the Chiss as a navigator because they just would like treat you as subhuman and inferior. And Thrawn's kind of view of the military and of other alien species, um, which I don't, I don't think it's particularly uncommon for the Chiss to view things and people and planets as assets instead of humans mm-hmm. or as, instead of, living beings um so i i mean yeah it's gonna paint if you're gonna be dicks to everybody and treat them like they're less than you and you know be this big noble arrogant society eventually you're gonna get a target on your back and it's common it's one of those things that's like that that part you um you you brought up where it's like very specifically arlani and thrawn are like discussing non-chiss right and Mm -hmm. And she's like, man, <laughs> I, I'm finally seeing these people as like people. I always thought they were at best highly intelligent animals. <laughs> I'm like, jeez, girl. Jeez, oh my man. God, I know. I was I, like, was I'm over here standing you. I'm, I'm hovering here standing you for like years now. And you're dropping this like just superiority crap. And then, and then, yeah. Blue I think, supremacy. Right, blue supremacy. And, uh, 
then then Thrawn, I think Zahn wrote it to be um like interest a bit introspective and almost like oh but we know it doesn't change <laughs> right like exactly. like we know yeah. Theron has never s- stopped treating people as assets so it's one of those things it's like it I, I think it was meant to feel <laughs> like sympathetic but it was kind of hard to get there because we we know that's you know he doesn't rectify that in any way and maybe that's like maybe it's sort of a sad thing that he came to accept that and never changed or something. It's, it's so strange. Just like it's, it's, you know, it, there's not like a clear, obviously I'm, I will stand Thrawn till the end of time because I love that character and he's not necessarily a good guy, but you know, his motivations make sense. Um, until he's talking about that nonsense. <laughs> I'm like, damn, son. So this is the fir- that was the first moment that he- Thrawn and I had a major qualm. I know that sounds crazy, but I was like, oh, jaw drop moment. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not feeling great about this exchange. Um, <laughs> Not ideal. You know, that this raises the question of, you know, why does Jixtus hate the Chiss so much, as is implicit in what he's saying? And I like imagining that it's actually like, a pretty low key villain origin story, but he just felt slighted by their superiority complex. Like he was a janitor hired onto the ship. And he's like, Oh, excuse me, sir. I, I just, I just mopped the mopped this floor. Could you not? And he just goes walking right through it. Like, oh. is, he the, is he the Quentin Beck of the, yeah. the <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> just constantly being trashed on, or he's like somebody whose technology they stole and claimed it as their own. As you mm-hmm. alluded to earlier. Mm. Maybe he's the guy who built the box that uh, that Thrawn went into, and Thrawn's like, "Yes, I built this box. I worked with some people on this box. <laughs> I was shipped in." <laughs> no, you didn't. I'm the greatest box maker. That's my <laughs> box, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I was yeah, I was once you blew, box. <laughs> you blew, son of a bitch. <laughs> you, blew, you blew, son of a bitch. <laughs> you cerulean bastard. <laughs> you cerulean bastard. Oh, man. Oh, I was once Boxtus, but now you have flighted <laughs> me, and I am Chixtus. I had to change my name in shame. <laughs> oh, my God. I do want to talk about that box, though. I mean, this may not be the time to transition to the box, but I, I find it very funny. Okay, I'm not hearing any... No, I, drop the box. You drop know, the box. Okay, it. so... You know, this is at the beginning of the, the section we started where they go to Primee and they have to find a way to get off. And Thrawn just like, yeah, I built this box, this box for us to get out of here. Like, how do you think of that? Out of every <laughs> single like way to get out, like, let's build a box. And it seemed to have amenities in it, too. You know, so is there like a little bathroom in there, <laughs> like a little chamber pot? <laughs> you know, some magazines, a little light you can turn on because it seemed like they were rather comfortable. Maybe some art yeah. for him to study. I don't know. Some I just, art. I just found like out of every single way you could have snuck out building a box for you to, uh, or I guess for Jixtus to build you a box for you to be smuggled out in. <laughs> just resonated with me, I suppose. Felt kind of Indiana Jones-esque. Isn't, isn't Indiana Jones got in a box at one point? Or a crate? Or yep. a refrigerator? <laughs> oh, there's the fridge. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, goodness. 
it's just another situation. Honestly, I thought the box was going to be so he could bring home a whole bunch of artwork. I was like, okay. Well, that was it first. He got it for the art. But he's like, oh, no, no, this is my escape plan. Yeah. Great. <laughs> put it back. Put it back. There's like an art dealer around like off camera behind Tally. He's like, no, 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 no. I'll come <laughs> back later. I'll be back later. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, what a crazy man. Crazy, crazy man. <laughs> oh, man. So, <laughs> so uh, Reed, I, it, it, I hear that you, you've got some thoughts on Thuraki. I do have some some uh, thoughts on the Thuraki horde. Um, so, for starters, <laughs> last episode, I posed the question, do Chiss lose their blueness as they get older? And it was confirmed. Confirmed canon. Confirmed canon that Thuraki was described as being a pale blue. So you do lose the blue. If you live long enough, do you end up turning white altogether? Is that the life force? Are, are young Chiss like super blue? And like as you age, <laughs> you lose your blue. They're like violet Beauregard. Yeah. And then they fade like <laughs> casual medium blue. <laughs> just slowly, slowly squeezing out. But no, I was a big uh, Thuraki fan. Not just because his name is hilariously awesome, in my opinion. Uh, but I just like the idea that, you know, oh, oh, there goes old grandpa, the old patriarch, <laughs> just wandering around the grounds with his his staff and his cane. And like, would it be great if he just like does the same bit to every trial born coming through? I need you to look after Thrawn. Who the hell is Thrawn? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Wrong one. Sorry. Oh, Waiting for the next one. I do. Who, who do you hang out with, kid? Oh, I, I hang out with Throol. Oh, I need you to look after Throol. He will be my greatest testament as a... As a <laughs> 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 what if he isn't oh, even Thuraki and he's just some old guy wandering around out there like, Oh, yes, I'm Thuraki the Patriarch. <laughs> 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 like, where's Grandpa wandered off? He's left the home. <laughs> Mr. McGrew <laughs> yeah, He was talking to a tree for like three hours until she showed up. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess speaking of him, what do you guys think about this uh, Thalia's assignment of being Thrawn's eyes and, I guess, sort of his ally when he um you know like political i guess like his political ally someone who can gather his allies when when he cannot kind of thing what do you guys think about that and then follow up where's this bitch when he gets sent to the empire right (laughs) (laughs) what does she mess up on like you don't fucked up at that point Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would have to guess that maybe she chooses to enter the political spectrum and start to influence that side of things since it looks like Thrawn's allies outside of the leadership of the family and in the the military seem to be kind of light. So maybe Thalias just discovers or comes to terms with the best way to help Thrawn is not to be an immediate sidekick, present, bait, etc., but just to work her way up through the family. I mean, she's already trial-born, so maybe work her way up to Syndic and start to try to put more political pressures and do some maneuvering of her own to do what he can't. And maybe that's why she's not around. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, I I think that a lot of times she might be more helpful in that sphere than, oh my God, automatic feeder, stop it. <laughs> Sorry, <Ben. laughs> Automatic <laughs> feeder, Thralia, eat up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that that would be a really good spot for her. Um, I think that sh- she would be more valuable in that setting and not at risk in battles and being used as bait for warlords and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, might serve him better in the long run. Um, but yeah, I just, I I think the whole process of, of becoming, you know, a trial born, becoming more influential in, in the myth family and in the political sphere, potentially, it's it's an interesting move, because <laughs> um, yeah, he does need he needs he needs those allies and he needs his blind spots to get covered by somebody else. And like honestly, if the Chiss are so cold, that one conversation when she was a little girl, being like, "You can do whatever you want," was all that she needed <laughs> to be like a lifelong loyal follower. I will die for you. I will put myself in harm's way for you. Damn, like y'all are cold. <laughs> well, they do live on a very icy planet. True. <laughs> Dad, ice ice baby, so cold. So cold. <laughs> I, I do like how at the end of her trial, she goes up to Thurfi and like, did I pass? He's like, Yeah, you passed. It's not a test. You're not in school. You congratulations. All right, let's let's get on with it. Yeah, which leads my question. Then why the fuck did you make me do all of that shit? Stack yeah. <laughs> boards and stop water, climb mountains, <laughs> like take tests. Walk around a star chart. I gotta <laughs> say, the process to become a trialborn is really freaking weird to me. Mm-hmm. That whole chapter, I was like, uh, okay. Yeah, it was. It was simultaneously like asking myself, "That's it," while also being, "Why did you have to do all those like menial tasks? Like they didn't seem that hard, right?" But there was just a lot of it. Like, how do you fail? <laughs> Yeah, I was really su- I thought this was going to be like a huge like set piece of the novel. <laughs> and <laughs> it was like a few pages in, <laughs> it was just like, well, I took some tests. <laughs> Those were fine. <laughs> I uh I guess I had to cross a river. <laughs> like there didn't seem to be anything that challenging. The real no. challenge is just hold a conversation with Thuraki for more than 5 minutes. <laughs> Maybe that's hard enough. Crazy old kook. Oh goodness. But yeah, he also that conversation, super weird, super weird. I enjoyed mm. it. That being I did enjoy it, but I'm just I just the whole. Yeah, I will say that that part of the novel brought things to a to a stop for me a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm like, OK, we need to gather up our steam and, and keep going. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, so while she's doing her trials, as we mentioned, Thrawn's heading to Batu. Where we all wish we could be right now, but coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Um, and he made some pretty interesting, um, some pretty interesting connections. Uh, they talked to Duja, may she rest in peace. And <laughs> Reed, do you Duja. have a comment on this one? I do have a comment about Duja. So uh, let me tell you something. So Thrawn's like, oh, you know, let's not shoot 
Duja down or follow. Duja is not a warrior. But I'll tell you what Duja is. Duja is a stone cold biatch. I mean, she's so rude to them. I was happy. It was like, oh, good. I'm glad you don't make it. <laughs> You're so rude. <laughs> Look at me. I'm a handmaiden. Ooh. I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> Duja's your best ability was looking like Natalie Portman. Yeah, that's it. Congratulations. <laughs> All on appearance. You know, Dorme had soul. Sabe had spirit. Duja had a piss poor attitude. <laughs> She's a douja bag if you catch my drift. <laughs> douja bag. Oh, man. It's true. No lie detected. <laughs> I do think it's great that when they do, you know, enter that space and you get to see the droid fleet, and Thrawn describes it as robotic combat craft. Yeah. You know, a very literal translation is only Thrawn mm. can, but it seems so belittling instead of the droid army or the droid fleet. No, it's a robotic combat craft. You feel like that's what, like, regular people today in our environment refer to, like, you know, drones. Oh, that's a robotic combat craft. It's not sexy at all. Very <laughs> anti-separatist language there. They worked hard on coming up with the names of all those cool ships. Just And he really, really dismissed them super quick, too. Like... Yeah, they may overwhelm you in numbers, but they're e when you exploit the flaw, they're easily manipulated and you will win. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> why don't you show up and like end this war way before they Yeah, you could have <laughs> stopped Order 66, Thrawn, if you knew about it so fast. Bam, war over. Bam, Palpatine's out of power. Jedi are living. Dooja's still dead, though. Holla. Woo. <laughs> <Dooja>. <laughs> oh, goodness. But yes, as, as I said earlier, it is fun to picture a little girl on a ship by herself while Thrawn is gallivanting away because I'm trying to remember how long in alliances Thrawn and Anakin are doing their thing. Like, how long does he leave her in that ship? Oh, it was a while. Yeah, was it a week? It, yeah, something like that. Yeah, so what, you know, is it well-stocked with food? God, I hope so. She like little Cheery's having other people cook for her through the whole book or whatever. Can mm. she take care of herself? Yeah, right. I can just color and be in touch with the force. <laughs> That's all you need, really. <laughs> it's not a bad gig. What do y'all think about him making her a pilot? My you know, Oh, go uh, ahead. I was just, I was just gonna say, you know, it's it's a nice touch. Yeah, it was it was very much like a Daddy Throne that I didn't expect <laughs> to see, a different kind of Daddy Throne, um, <laughs> where it's like, yeah, it was it was nice to see him like you know, oh, I don't know, maybe this is now painted in a different light with his I only see people as assets thing. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Actually, now I don't know how to take it anymore. Um, but I let, I choose to believe right now it was a nice moment. Yeah, and it's funny though cuz like we do the he he went the whole we only treat or I only treat people as assets route. But also throughout the novel, he's like filled with empathy for his own kind, at least for the little ones of his own kind. Mm -hmm. Like he just respects the children enough to like listen to what they want and like listen to their needs and their fears and like actually does something to help them like which is not something that anybody else seems to be doing for the young Skywalkers. Um, young Skywalker. 
But yeah, it's just, it's funny that, you know, I, I, I think that first of all, that makes a lot of sense to me to make a Skywalker a pilot. Just like that move, like once they're done being a Skywalker, that just makes a lot of sense to me. And well, I thought it was a I nice al- touch that he analyzed her dreams in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I almost wonder if it's like, you know, we go back to the the Chiss being these like secretive mean people. It's like, I wonder if they think that gives a Skywalker too much power where they can navigate and take themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, I wonder if that's a thing where they don't teach them how to do that because uh, <laughs> they don't want them running off or something. Mm. Right. It's like too much autonomy for, for one little kid. I mean, if I was if I was seven years old and I knew or however old they were, <laughs> ten, if I was a 10-year-old and I knew how to fly and navigate my way, I'd be like, screw you, blue idiots. I'm, <laughs> I'm going gonna... to Malister and pod <laughs> Yeah. Yes. I'm going to Canto Bite. <laughs> I'm gonna, I can I can make some money. I'm going to buy a better ship. Um, so yeah, I wonder if that's a thing where it's like it's it's discouraged to give them that much freedom. I'm sure it is. Like if they are given the options to do other things, maybe they won't. You know, maybe they'll lose focus on their task because, like, I've, it's a lot of pressure to put on. A young one you know to be like mm. you have to be serious and you can't screw up and you can't get tired and you can't do this or that and you've got to just service 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 like holy child labor batman y'all are y'all don't give a ass <laughs> ass <laughs> they truly don't i have a, a head canning developing that thrawn wants to bring his two children together as a romantic couple because they would probably be around the same age you know, so get Sherry and Eli Vanto as a pair. Mm. <sighs> oh my goodness. Because she's learned the ways from Aralani. Aralani has taught some ways to Eli. Maybe it's kind of a little little teaching moment between the three of them going on while he's over in the Ascendancy. It's like, I learned this one from Thrawn. Oh yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you're talking a strategy, but I'm just thinking in the bedroom i'm just fantasizing about that now the three of them i learned that one from thrawn <laughs> <laughs> from art blue milf admiral teaches young couple <laughs> <laughs> blue milf admiral <laughs> oh, it's God. a very specific subset but when you find it ooh, it's good you gotta dig a whole- for it I guess a whole new context to merit adoptive and trial born. <laughs> what's what's the merit they're earning? What's the trial they have to go through? Oh no! <laughs> oh man, to do that bloodline. <laughs> but that's another thing. Wow! Thank you for using that word because also they're not allowed to have any offspring into their family unless they choose. What is the what is the chiss like? Is everybody just like chilling on birth control? Like, how do they? <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe I'm asking too many questions about chiss reproduction. But they had mentioned they're like, yeah, you're not. Nobody's gonna have a kid unless you know they approve of the genetic match. And most, mar- and if you're a married adoptive, you're just not going to probably. I'm like, what the? Maybe, Maybe they just do it in the butt. If, oops. 
<laughs> I had an intricate thing going and about to say, but Nick, you just you just went straight forward. All right. Oh my god. What if they just do it in the butt? I'm done. There we go. <laughs> giving you intelligent commentary on Th- Thrawn Ascendancy Chaos Rising. Just just uh just society and everything, you know. I think it can all be whittled down to that. <laughs> Is putting it in the butt. <laughs> but, but what, was, what was your point, Reed? Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> like maybe you have to something with physiologically speaking, you have to like declare it beforehand. Like you have to say some words and unlock. Inten- you need intention. You need intention. Abracadabra. That, you know, Oof. Bonus. Yeah. Open sesame. You know, something like that. Open and it's, it's, sesame. It's, 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 <laughs> Oh, or maybe they just don't know like they're just not familiar with sex because their balls are always blue and they just assume that's how they're supposed to be <laughs> like oh they're blue and painful yes this is the way of the kiss <laughs> no wonder they're major assholes to every other species uh, walk man. around <laughs> with painful blue balls speaking of that can we talk about the people who suck especially in this Yes. In... Thurfian. <laughs> Thurfian. Homie, homie sucks. And he doesn't seem as smart as he thinks he is either. Mm-mm. So, I don't know. I don't really have much to say on him except for that he sucks. <laughs> but I'll just open that up to the to the floor now. <laughs> I yield my time. It's a great name to say with a lisp. <laughs> Thurfian. Thurfian. <laughs> <laughs> Man, okay. Also, somebody had to have overheard Thurfian and... um. Oh, what's the Erezi guy who sucks? Um, oh, Zistalmu or something? <laughs> Zistalmu. That's also a great name. That's yeah. like a character from The Lion King. Yeah. <laughs> the hyenas is Zistalmu. <laughs> Mufasa! <laughs> Shut up, Zistalmu. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, like, they, literally, they had they were talking about this is a room where people would meet in and you can stand in the room and everybody can hear you because of the acoustics of the room. Didn't they literally have that conversation? And then they started scheming and like committing treason in the middle yeah. of the circle. <laughs> yeah, because he said like... <laughs> bad call. Yeah, because didn't he say he like overheard him offer the position or something? Yeah. Yeah, it's, they're not they're not that smart. Up here. I don't know. Uh, I'm surfing them very, very sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> I just like how that like, it was just really there was some just I don't know what it came down to, but there's just awkward stuff where he was like, "I'm going to kidnap you now," <laughs> and then he's and then he's like, "No, you're not. Thrawn needs me." He's like, "Wait here, hey Thrawn, can I take this lady?" Oh sure, <laughs> okay. Now you're coming with me. <laughs> it's like, man, yeah. It's just like. They're not very. He he thinks he's Littlefinger. I don't think he's Littlefinger. No, I don't think so. Either. He's gonna get. He's gonna get got by the end. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Man, I hope that those two get found out for their treasonous actions, and I really hope that he's not in the running to be the next patriarch once uh, our boy Thuraki kicks a bucket. Hmm. Which is going to be a very interesting. Well, okay, I guess that's a that's a good enough transition to to say what what are your uh, 
what are your predictions for the rest of this, you know, this trilogy after the defeat of like Yiv the Benevolent and the soon to be passing of Thuraki? Like, where do we, where do we go from here? Well, it's nice that they introduce that this story can be interwoven with other ones. And so, and that time hopping exists within the, you know, the main Thrawn trilogy that we could see them jumping forward quite a bit for the next one. You know, that that could be after the Clone Wars and the Empire is already founded by the time of the second novel, right? And the third one is him going out and exploring. Or it could be immediately afterwards. So we don't know. And the fact that there's the memory jumping, it opens a lot of possibilities of how much... Uh, our main boy Timothy wants to go with all this. So I, I don't know. I I think I I'm just gonna put it out there. I think Jixtus is a red herring. I said that at the beginning. I'll I'll settle down on it that he's not going to be the big baddie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like <laughs> each book we are going to get through another one to get to the big guy. Yeah. Eventually we'll get to the final boss. And, yeah, and like, what's the role weird. of the Grisk in this, too? Mm-hmm. Since yeah, they, do you think they'll come in, like properly? I feel like, like I, I want, I want them to because that's a story that I kind of, I just want to know more about and understand more of. But it seems like we've got some pretty, like, not just with the Grisk, which I'm pretty sure they learned about in. Was it treason or was it alliances that they learned about the Grisk? It was in alliances. I think alliances, yeah. Okay, so we've gotten into that territory where we know they exist. We talk about it in the book, like, hey, do you think that these guys are connected with the Nick Ardoon? He's like, nah, I think they're completely different, which was kind of a weird... So we're, we're there's a lot of external forces that are not cool with the Chiss right now. And how do we get Thrawn from point A to point in a crate? Chilling with Eli Vanto. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm very yeah. curious to find out. I'm, I feel like, I don't know if I have predictions necessarily, but there are things I kind of do want just in general of like, I don't want it to be the end of Yiv. Like, I'd love for Yiv to still have some sort of role, like as a, as a chiss uh sort of prisoner or something um i think it'd be it'd be interesting to see if he knows anything about the the jixtus situation and whatnot yeah and um yeah it's and you know it's like like you sort of mentioned about the jumping from villain to villain i kind of also don't necessarily buy jixtus as as our big bad um I mean, it could be. We we really have nothing to go off of, except this is just weird. His weird, like <laughs> melodramatic introduction. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough, but there are things that things I want. I want more like, um, sort of exploration of the uh, the chaos societies. I thought the Vac Combine was a really cool culture, um, to to have like discussed in the way they perceive the the thought lines and stuff and and how that um dictates their 
their actions and their culture. And I thought that was all very creative. And I think it's what Zahn does so, so well, which not everyone is a fan of, but he does it really well. And that's um, like, just like, yeah, like we talked about it a bit in the last episode, but like, this is a sci-fi novel that just has some Star Wars branding on it. You know, like it's, um, it's not necessarily like, I feel like these stand so alone. Um, and only with the, uh, if, if he hadn't, you know, woven in that story of meeting Anakin, <laughs> um, like this could have just been like, just change, like put your hand over the, the title <laughs> and you wouldn't, you wouldn't really have known exactly that this was a star Wars novel. Um, so, and I think, you know, while some people aren't necessarily into that, um, I think it does allow for these opportunities to to explore different things and and introduce all sorts of like different sort of cultures that we wouldn't necessarily imagine seeing in like a Star Wars movie, but can be um, explored in in a novel. So that's the kind of stuff I want more of. And as far as predictions, I think like. Like I said, I don't have many, but I'm gonna assume that uh, Thalius either messes up or ditches Thrawn or something. I don't know. I feel like we need some we need some personal drama there because right now she's she's a little too simpy right now. I don't think she's surviving <laughs> the trilogy. She's simpy. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you had to just feel embarrassed for her when she was like, "I just wanted to see you." Oh God! <laughs> I'm Poor like, baby. Oh, girl, girl, you're. I'm sorry. You're going through this tough moment, but like, that's pathetic. Baby girl, don't beg. It's like you're a you're a caregiver. You've earned some stuff. You're about to be a trial born. You don't need to, you know, put you don't need to lower yourself so much. Um, but yeah, I'm. I'm curious to see how they might um, they might have some drama inflicted between them. Whether it's like you said, she could die, or I think like Reed mentioned earlier, maybe she ter- she chooses a to go politics or something and and leaves him. I don't know, um, but I I hope that comes sooner rather than later um, because you're sick of her and you want her out of the store. <laughs> yeah, I'm tired. I'm tired. Of, I'm tired of new characters. Um, yeah, and then, and then, yeah. I just I want more Aralani too. Always more Aralani. Always. She's very cool. Yeah, I w- my prediction is that Kalori dies a horrible, painful death by being a spineless traitor. Ooh, that's coming. That's my hope. And when it happens, I'm gonna pop some popcorn and put my feet up, pour a glass of wine, and just bask in it. <laughs> do you think? Do you think he's very much like? He's gonna get himself killed, or do you think Thrawn will like manufacture it? I think that he's gonna get himself killed. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he's savvy enough to um, maneuver this dangerous role he's put himself in. I don't think he's got the the Sp- savviness for Speaking that. Speaking of him, do you? Or I guess this is a question. Both the question in the book and also just to you. Like, do you? Were you guys surprised that? it allegedly took Thrawn to like the end to figure out he was a, uh, you know, working with the, with Yiv, or do you think Thrawn knew the whole time? 
Or was this like his one little thing that he had to figure out? Hmm. I was under the impression that he found out, or at least strongly suspected by the time of the that first meeting of Yiv on Primea. Mm. But maybe that's just me projecting what I expect out of the character onto him. I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to say, because at first I was like... At first I didn't think he had... Um, like figured it out, but then, but then it's Thrawn, you know. <laughs> it's like you you can't you can't assume that with Thrawn. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. It was it was kind of weird, but um, I'm curious. Yeah, I'm definitely curious to see how Kalori um, continues on because yeah, he's got he's got a sticky end coming. That's for sure. My money is he joins Luke Skywalker's New Jedi Order. Glory, <laughs> and it takes Ben Solo. Ben Solo him. kills him. Oh, it's a prolonged satisfying. death, but it's going to be worthwhile. He's going to be really old by then too. He, <laughs> he's an alien; they can live for a while, you know. Yeah. That's right. Actually, that's that's another random question I had. Do Chiss have a like longer lifespan? Because this is what I don't know. Like in Rebels. What age do you assume Thrawn is? I pegged him in his 40s. 40s? Yeah. yeah. Which puts him here in like late 20s? Something like that? Yeah, because if we're in the middle or of the early Clone 20s. Wars, you're looking at 14 BBY. And yeah, it's like 16, 17 years before we first see him. So mm-hmm. yeah, late late 20s seems to work. Yeah. Okay, because yeah, I wasn't sure if he was like. I'm like, man, is is Thrawn old in Rebels? Like, I can't really tell. <laughs> like, um, well, you have to see. We just have to look at in the you know, if you got the Barnes and Noble edition with the poster, how blue is he in the poster? And you hold on, oh, how yeah. blue he is in the poster, how blue he is in the show, and you can calculate <laughs> the loss of. This blue. is going to be a shit task for the color. Is one. he like? Is he like a tree? <laughs> like you can. You cut him open and see how blue, how many blue rings he has. <laughs> yeah, blue, <laughs> blue rings. <laughs> yeah. oh, man. oh goodness! Oh man! So any, so why, with that, why don't any final thoughts? Any, you know, I do overwhelming have a, thoughts? a final overwhelming thought, and it's a random one, but it just Good. really stuck with me while reading it. So there is a character named Lieutenant Commander As Morty. <gasps> as Morgan? That was my thought exactly. <laughs> that As Morgan could be a merit adopted of the Chiss, some Chiss family ending in AZ, and As Morgan is actually like Chaz Ad Morgan to Nururu or something. He's <laughs> <laughs> really As Morgan, but he's red. So that was a big thing for them to adopt a fat red guy into everyone's fit and blue, but he's fat, slimy, and red. But. <laughs> in my mind I was reading it as as Lieutenant Commander As Morgan. I was like, why As Morgan? That's not what's there. I'm like, oh yeah, the guy from Rebels. So you're hearing it here. I think there's my prediction. We'll see As Morgan. And Thrawn <laughs> will be the only person who isn't racist to him because Thrawn doesn't see red and blue. He sees asset A, asset B. <laughs> Dad asset. <laughs> Dad asset no. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah, I mean, all all I can say is um, I'm looking forward to the next 
couple books. I think I think it's it's just a fun world that that he's uh, put together, and mm-hmm. um, it's nice to have it through a character like Thrawn, of course, and all the other little characters that have you know come up. And I think there's plenty there's plenty to be um, excited for, and it's yeah, it's like I think you know Reed, you sort of mentioned the potential for other time jumps. And I think that could be equally exciting because you you never know when they're going to be ready to, to push. Right. And it's like, at some point, I don't know when, at some point we will find out where Thrawn is right now in the timeline, <laughs> you know, like post rebels, like we will someday find out and you never know when it's going to happen. Could it God. happen in a, in a Zon novel? Who knows? I'd be okay with it. Playing ping pong with Jixtus. Jixtus. <laughs> <laughs> what if Jixtus is uh, a bridger? <laughs> Jixtus Bridger. It's a good name, Jixtus Bridger. Yeah. And then Ezra, that's where Ezra took him to meet Jixtus. His, it's his... a long game, man. Jixtus played the long game. <laughs> Jixtus played the yeah, long game. Yeah, yeah, and he, he got there and Jixtus just kicked him in the nuts. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> That's for Ken Lori. <laughs> oh my god. That's for stepping on my clean floors and taking my <laughs> Oh gracious. You know, say what you will about the Trump administration. But every <laughs> year, <laughs> Here we go. Every year that man has been president, we've gotten a Thrawn novel. <laughs> he made it happen, guys. <laughs> no, he yeah. Did he make it happen, or is he just reaping the seeds that Obama put out? <laughs> this is a this is a byproduct of the Obama economy, <laughs> and he's, he's trying to take credit for it. I gotta oh say, if God. it comes to that, I'm okay with a with without a few Thrawn novels. But uh... oh yeah, this is the... <laughs> so but... everyone make like the Chiss and vote blue. Hey, hey. oh, I love that. Man, on that, on that lovely owl, just kicked my, just kicked my desk. On that, on that PSA, I think we're gonna wrap things up for today. Um, so Reed, thank you for joining us yet again. You gotta come talk more books and shenanigans with us soon. It's always a pleasure and a delight. Yes, it is. But yeah, where can we, where can we find you on the interwebs, and yes. where can they listen to your dulcet tones elsewhere? Oh yes, you can. Uh... Find me at CO Bubble for my show, CO Bubbles Babble Bubble, or my personal uh, at Real R Dev. I am notorious for not having consistent naming schemes on any of my social media platforms with different handles and whatnot. So I won't inundate those with you. But uh, yeah, the Babble Bubble has an episode coming out today where I talk about what if the Mandalorian was nothing but a bunch of prequels references right after each other, including. The Mandalorian thinking that Baby Yoda is a Gungan. So that should be fun. Oh. And uh, let's see. Also, if you want to listen to my voice go off on crazy things, I'll be on an episode of Octo Radio coming out soon where I talk about an Ewok horror movie with our good friend Alden. So good stuff. Good stuff indeed. Yes. So that is going to be all for us today over at the Senate Library. And uh, thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you guys. And keep reading, folks. That's right.